This is I Will Hunt. I'm your host, Rudy Getzig. I will be interviewing folks in my quest to learn how to hunt. I know I have a lot to go over, and you can learn with me. Listen in. Do I have what it takes? Will I hunt? I will hunt from the heartland to the shore. And I may not find nothing, and my rifle turns to rust. But I will hunt. So this is my good buddy and uh, employee of the month at Cantrell Outdoors, Matt Russell. Every month. Every month. He is uh, uh, a, a cohort that goes to Montana with me every year, and local hunting guy, big time shooter, lots of guns, and uh, pretty pretty knowledgeable guy. I think he probably knows more about guns than he knows about hunting. Uh, probably fair. So I think it's a good, uh, it's good to have a guy, I don't know, how many years you've been hunting? Seriously hunting, I'd say probably six. And you got your first gun when you were four? <laughs> probably. <And Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely started shooting that young. Yeah. Hunted a little bit um, when I was like 18, 19, not really successfully. Um, Mid-30s, started hunting uh, a lot more deer, and then really successfully hunting the last six years. So what were you hunting then when you were in a teenager, like you said? I went up deer hunting with buddies kind of thrown together trips, um, like, hey, get a hunting license, let's go. Uh, not not the go to the hunting camp, you know, for nine days or whatever. Right on. Yeah, I, mean, I just threw that in there because you, know, you kind of act like maybe you started deer hunting in your 30s, but really it's just, it changed. It changed. It's, it's a lot different when you get invited to a camp with guys and pack up and go for days on end versus, you know, driving up on a Saturday morning and looking for a deer with somebody and not having any idea what you were doing at that point. So going with guys that are more knowledgeable or at least explain what's really going on changed in my 30s. Can you uh, can you kind of tell, I mean, because I, I would imagine based on what you're saying was kind of your teenage hunting years, was there any stories from back then that kind of stick out, just kind of like, oh, crap, what were we thinking type of stories or, you know, that kind of thing? Well, the guys I was with probably wouldn't say so. But for me, it was I had this beautiful blued, you know, 30-30 lever gun. And we go up hunting, and they just start making me climb rocks. Like, just straight up, like, should we have lines on? This is so steep type of stuff. And the whole thing I'm thinking about is I'm beating up this beautiful, you know, gun all over these rocks. Then we get up to the top and don't see anything. And. You know, I'm like, what am I supposed to be looking for? Whatever. And then we go back down and the day is over. And then the next time we might drive around in a truck all day, you know, stopping and glassing fields. And kind of, I was just kind of more along for the ride, but, and still had a great time because I was with, you know, you're with great people. But not really knowing what I was really doing. You know, just experiencing it a little bit. Yeah. Uh so when did you meet Chris? Because you guys are good buddies outside of uh, being the employee of the month at Cantrell Outdoors. <laughs> For sure. Um, <laughs> our, our gals work together, and we, we got introduced through them. I don't – what did I want? Some gun work done or something. I uh, think it came up. It was uh, – I remember the very first time I met him, we went to the uh, NRA banquet at the Nile Country Club. And 
Don's like, okay, you know, we're going to go meet my friend, and she's bringing her boyfriend. And I'm like, oh, okay, sounds fine. You know, I meet lots of boyfriends. And uh, <laughs> got on there. <laughs> lots From of the same gal? <laughs> like, yeah, she's got lots of boyfriends. No big deal. And uh, go down there, and I, and this, you know, she's like, oh, he, I'm like, you know, trying to get like, oh, what does he do? You know, is he, you know, that way I can, he's obviously going to the NRA banquet, so I don't have to, you know, tone it down too much right so i meet i walk up and i see this guy and this he's wearing this like tent of a polo and he's this big giant guy he's got like a 8x shirt on and i'm just like <laughs> i'm like who's this guy like what does he do i was like is this guy like a like a like a bodybuilder or what does he do and like he's talking about guns and does he hunt and i'm a- you know i'm asking all these questions and he's like yeah you know just uh just like some guns and some stuff and uh and then I think we had a party. I think we had a, par- a party after that, or I don't know. I remember, but I was like, "Hey, is it? What's it? You know, Heather, what's her boyfriend doing? You should have him come up and hang out. We could look at some guns and stuff." And and he came up, and it was uh, it was pretty drastically clear up front. Like I'm a I'm a rifle guy, and he's like, "Oh yeah, well, what about uh, this on my 1911?" And I'm like. Yeah, yeah, those are, yeah, 1911s, yeah, you know. And I mean, I had a 1911, one, you know, and he has double digits. Double digits. <laughs> I'm a 1911 nerd. If if the if the if the cops are listening, a couple. And uh <laughs> and then same with shotguns, like we went to a shotgun uh charity event and I show up, you know, with a or yeah, basically Basically, this is something that looks like I've been chopping wood with, you know, which literally, you know, I had one shotgun and it was a browning pump, you know, and uh, he has like a this, you know, $10,000 work of art. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I used to sh- shoot, you know, competitively and all this. And I'm like, what's like so I've shot some shotgun competitions. Yeah. Me and my, me and my dad. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's it's kind of interesting to me. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Like. I I don't know what that is. Like, what what are you doing at a shotgun competition? Shooting trap. So, well, there's different kinds of. Where, where are they at too? Um, well, they're all. I've I've been to ones in Granite Falls. Um, there's a huge uh, shotgun complex down by Lacey, and I went to. I, I've gone to that a couple times, and I think there is. There's at least a dozen. There's probably more than that. Um, trap stations so you have five people in each station shooting and everybody's shooting you know uh so with trap it is five positions you take five shots at each position and the clay can come out in three different directions so you get one shot each time it comes out and then it goes down the line and you do that for five and then you rotate positions so the clay only comes out three different directions but your perspective on that clay coming out changes five different times. Oh, so the clay is stationary and you're moving around. The the clay can come out three different directions from the same spot. Yeah, and okay. then you, you shift up to five positions. That's kind of the most common. That's trap. And then there's uh, doubles where you get two shots and two birds. Same setup, though, five positions. Um, and then there's... A, a host of other ones there's continental which is you get two shots at one bird but they're it's it's being launched at a much faster speed on and on there's t- there's there's lots of different variations 
Now, how does that work in the gun world then, Chris? Is that to you? Is that kind of funny? Or I mean, you know, without without pointing fingers or anything, because you were just saying like, oh yeah, you got your he, he's a different sort of it was, you know, gun guy. It was pretty foreign, you know. It's like uh, I'm a big game hunter, but in high school, I didn't have the means to go big game hunting, and all my buddies duck hunted, so that's what I did. I said duck hunted in high school, and I killed. Holy crap! I killed a lot of ducks, but with that same shotgun. And this is a shotgun like we go on a flooded field, and if you needed to creep up on something, like I used it, like and I would, you know, under the water and the mud, and you just shake the shit out before you shoot, you know, type of deal. And and that was it. That's my literally my shotgun experience. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, we go out to the shotgun competition, and they're trying to like teach me, which I'm obviously I'm too old to be taught anything." <laughs> So I'm trying to, he's like, oh no, just lead it like this and follow through and you got to, you got to come and you got to break and get a point. And I'm just like, this thing's moving so fast. I could barely see it. And they're telling me like 10 different things to do while this thing's coming out. And I'm just like, yeah, no, that's, that's not, that's not my wheelhouse. And, I don't, and, and yeah. this was not a standard trap shooting event. This was a super fun event at a guy's house, but it was more of a sporting clays situation, which means they're launching the clays from multiple different spots. Uh, they were ridiculously fast. I mean, it was a, definitely a challenging course, um, but not, you know, which translates well to bird hunting. But the trap world, I would associate more with, like, shooting a free throw. It's kind of the same thing over and over again. These things are zinging through trees in back of trees yeah. from behind you. <laughs> yeah. it, it was, it, I mean, even if you try to equate that to a five-stand or a, a sporting clays type of course. These things were moving through trees. It was fun. It was not a. It was not easy for anyone. But I don't do that type of shooting with my duck hunting shotgun, which is more of a utilitarian type of tromping through the woods type of thing. I, I shoot an actual trap gun for that. And so, do you? Are you still doing that type of hunting then? Yeah, I have a going on uh, December. I'm going on uh, Eastern Washington uh, bird hunt with a bunch of guys. All right, so. Do you go on multiple types of birds? I mean, there's there's a lot of different categories out there, right? Yeah, there's upland bird hunting, there's duck hunting, there's goose hunting. On on this side of the state, we can uh, hunt duck and geese same time. Eastern Washington, there's days that you can't hunt ducks and days you can't hunt goose. So if you go over there for three days, you're probably going to hunt duck too and, and hunt goose a different day. Oh, okay. Well... You know, earlier I was asking you to try to pull a story out kind of from the beginning or, you know, your teenage years. And, man, you know, no, no offense, but teenage years are long past you there. There's got to be <laughs> sure. some stories in there somewhere. Um, you know, that's kind of the fun thing about podcasting is is to be able to kind of tell some of those stories. Maybe maybe you wouldn't tell the the, the misses or, you know. Or, or, <laughs> oh, perfect. Or, no. So I'm just here to get in trouble. <laughs> turning yeah. myself in. Uh, <laughs> no, because she might not care as much as we do, right? <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh the, the shotgun thing, I just got real heavy into that. So I like shooting. I like all forms of shooting. Um, I've, I've shot some service rifle competition stuff also, and I've never gotten to be like really a, a top guy in any of them, but I'll go and, and try a style of shooting for a while um, and kind of get decent at it and enjoy it. And then I might, you know, hey, let's try this over here. It's a whole different experience. Um, the service rifle thing, I, I, I got good enough at it where I really needed to start hand loading my own ammunition or I just wasn't going to succeed any further. And at that time, I just didn't have the, the ability and time to, to really start mastering that. Now I'm doing that now for sure. And Chris has helped me a lot with that and some other guys. 
Um, but really growing up shooting, it was going out to my grandfather's farm and shooting targets, shooting, you know, pulling the 22s out and shooting cans. And I could do that. I can still do that all day long. <laughs> that was fun. We're totally going to do that in Montana, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I wear other people out when I go shooting, <clears throat> you know, and and I, I guess when people think about, you know, you're going target shooting and they put up a piece of paper at whatever distance and shoot at it a whole bunch. We like to put pieces of steel out there. I mean, I've we've hung, you know, propane bottles from trees and you shoot it and it swings. And as it comes back, you try to shoot it again. And, you know, I, I can just do it any which way. And, and in any I don't you know, we can go shoot bows all day until we're exhausted from it. I'll, I'll do any of it all day long. So Montana. Yeah. So speaking of shooting, um, well, you guys are, you guys are leaving pretty soon. Yeah. yeah. So when, when, uh, Rudy came down here, he noticed that there was a, uh, I don't know how you would describe it. A vomitous amount of, uh, of gear laid out everywhere. And Matt and I are headed to, uh, places unknown in Montana in less than a week, actually. And he might even leave a couple days early, uh, yeah, if I can if I can get the time off, I I have buddies hunting in Eastern Washington, and I would love to go hunt with them for a few days if I can do that, and then leave from there and go to Montana. I would love for you to bring some fresh steaks to Montana. Well, on my way here, one of my buddies has shot an elk, but I'm pretty sure he's not <laughs> going to give me any. <laughs> uh, not if you're not going to help him out. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm miss I'm missing the pack out right now. So. <laughs> I think on purpose, right? What was his name? Let's call him out. <laughs> no, I would be happy to help help Dave. Uh, be, well, for one thing, I we have a uh, uh, the meat grinder is both of ours, so he's going to be stopping by at some point to pick <laughs> that up to process the meat. No, I'd love to be helping any of those guys pack out right now if I could be. Yeah, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Montana then. Um, one thing that, that kind of gets me, and, and, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, is is just the time off the time away um you mentioned you might even get some extra time off and away uh how does that sit in, in at home <laughs> Neither <laughs> one of us want to not always well and the other thing to consider with that is what you know we're, we're we're gone during november so it's horrible weather here uh every year something goes something goes wrong where we don't have power for a few days uh, my hot water tank went out last year while i was gone luckily my brother uh, was in town and was able to cover for me on that one um the prep work that not only goes into you know all of this gear that you see laid out all over um to leaving we have a ton of work to get ready we got to make sure the gutters are clean we got to make sure our generators are running you know so if something happens while we are gone the our gals can can uh, not not suffer too bad <laughs> a big part of it yeah yeah it's very important i think a lot of you know starting with obviously both of us are self-employed you know so that gives us the opportunity to take time off obviously a lot of times we know when you're gone you're not making money type of deal so we're but we know you know he's a pretty good planner i'm a pretty good planner all right we're gonna go for you know two weeks three weeks you know hell i'm gonna go for the month you know and getting that set up i know his so there's a reason his is basically his wife I don't want to throw you under the bus right now. I think <laughs> legally Washington doesn't have common law marriage, but uh, uh, they're basically married. So his wife and my wife are 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 good friends for a reason because they're they're pretty similar. Like 
they both work in the medical field. They're both very straight and upfront. They're very smart. So it's not like, oh yeah, you can go and just do whatever you want. I don't care. You know, my wife's like, pay the bills, get your shit done, do this, do this, do this, and then you're fine. See ya. Have fun. Don't get hurt. Matt, make sure he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> this might be a good time to also bring up that she says, uh, <laughs> do not come home without elk meat. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the su- successful hunt is, is better than the non. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, it starts off real positive and, and, and backing us the whole way. And then I think as, as we're gone longer, it's kind of like, all right, would you just shoot an elk and come home? You know, and, and she wants the meat, too. So I think that's, that's part of it. And, you know, I, I just you're with a person you know who they are this is who we are this is stuff we really enjoy doing we spend a ton of time and money planning to go do this stuff and if we don't get to do it we're not very happy mm-hmm. yeah i could relate to that too as far as like just getting in the woods right um one thing that kind of between your two stories there i was kind of kind of reading between the lines you mentioned that you you're not only taking two possibly three but four weeks off now what if you were successful let's say you know diamond you know oh. trip and and those first three days you you limit out or i mean i'm, right. just, I'm talking yeah. crazy right but right i'm just saying like is that something you would do uh or do you appreciate yourself you need like you said that time uh it's not just fulfilling the tags yeah i think um <laughs> this is funny i think we were just talking about this actually uh <laughs> so with being you know so i i'm self-employed i got two businesses matt has umpteen businesses and we work really really hard i mean it's like we're texting each other in the morning like hey i'm doing cardio you know because he know and he hates cardio by the way almost as much as i do and it's like hey we so we we're training we're planning we're getting all this stuff ready well i work a shit ton of hours and he works a bunch of hours and so when i go there if i shot my elk and my deer and and all the other stuff on the very first day i wouldn't come home and the reason i wouldn't come home is because the last time i came home early my wife whom i love is great (laughs) and she said uh what are you doing home and i i literally came home my daughter was sleeping in on my side of the bed Mm. and i had to sleep on the couch (laughs) because i came home too early so i'm like she's she uh my wife understands that you know that i that we you know you work really hard you have a lot of stress and this is like this is because I don't really take normal vacations. Like my hunting time is my vacation and it's my time to de-stress. And it's my time. Like we go out and we're going to hike a bunch of mountains. We're going to get a bunch of exercise. We're going to bring home some meat and we're going to use it as, you know, like I'm not, uh, I'm not militant in my standards when I get, when I say, okay, we're going to go and we're going to get up at four o'clock every morning. We're going to go do this. And if I'm sore, if I'm tired, or we would just want to hang out in the morning and, you know, I'll make him watch Kung Fu Panda, which he absolutely hates, and and uh, and sleep in and have a nice breakfast. We'll do that and just relax, you know. So it's it's not just hunting. It's a it is uh it's my my biggest time of the year to unwind and de-stress and unplug. Yeah, relax, have a good time with doing a ton of work. You know, if I limited out the first couple of days, um, I, I'd stay to help everybody else limit out. I mean, it's a lot of work to get these animals off the hill um and it's exhausting for everybody when one person gets one you know especially if you only have two guys and uh no i want i want to get everybody everybody get everybody's tags filled if if possible well who is everybody 
change it last year it was uh me chris and ed yeah and and uh, it was me and me and chris for the whole time dan and kelly were there for when we got there and yeah. left long before we did mm -hmm. it just kind of changes you know if you have guys you're hunting with um that you're partnering up in whatever sort of way right then you you know you want to help them get their tags filled and and because uh, you want them to help you and we have a bunch of work extra work now so uh so this year i put in we because you so in uh it varies in states right so you can put in as a group and like so uh say for instance you want to put in for a group in alaska a group is two which is ridiculous state of alaska if you're listening that's silly uh, but Montana, so you can put in, I believe it's five. So we put in, um, me and Matt and my buddy, Ed and, uh, my, uh, other buddy Brent and then, uh, my dad. And so we got those five guys going. Uh, we got the two, we got two other guys going. We had one guy, another guy that got drawn that just had eye surgery. So he can't go, which sucks. Um, but so we have all these guys, you know, say seven guys, but, we just got a call from uh, our buddy Dan, who's uh, Dan's 70, I think, and old retired guy, great guy, incredible hunter. And uh, he's been that he left a month ago, went over there, and uh, oh, man. yeah, seriously, you guys live in the dream, man. And uh, you know, that big storm came through Montana oh, yeah. and blanketed everything with snow. Well, he was outside his trailer, he's camped where, you know, at camp, you know. Just hanging out, fishing, farting around, and he's sweeping the stairs off and slipped on his, you know, a couple, two, three trailer steps, but he's 70, you know, and so when he put his foot down, he rolled his foot over and broke his ankle in two spots, oh, and so he needs surgery right now, and Dan is the kind of guy who will literally rub some whiskey on it and some duct tape, and he'd be like, ah, I'm going to hunt for, you know, the next month, so wow. we're going to, we're going to have to help try and get him around and, and, uh, Luckily, Dan's a huge fan of side by sides, and Matt just got a brand new side by side, <laughs> and so I think uh, him and Matt are going to be best friends when he gets over there because Matt did uh, just get a very, very nice side by side, uh, six seat, hard cab, heater, heater, oh, windshield man. wiper, roll. Do the windows roll pa up? Power windows. Power windows. Oh man. Yeah, dude. This thing is. But Dan hates side by side. Literally, he hates them. But we might might use it this time. Yeah, right? you yeah. know. Well, he's got a four wheeler, you know, and and he's tough. He's a real tough dude. He's like it looks like a little mountain man, you know, little pot belly, big beard, and uh, it gets like twenty below, man. Some thirty below sometimes. You know, I'm not riding a four wheeler, you know, so. Now that he's got a busted ankle, he's got to be on crutches. I think uh, him and Matt are going to be best friends. So we'll mm. s we'll see when we get over there. That's going to be. He fun. might be. He might be purchasing one of these when he gets back. Yeah, down, yeah. <laughs> now nah, he'll just ride riding yours. Yeah, I don't know. It'll it'll it's going to be interesting yeah. for sure to yeah. see how he you know how is well. First of all, is he even going to be able to stick it out? I mean, you know, he's going to be over there. Maybe he has to have surgery. We just don't know yet. Yeah, I think he's going to have surgery and stay over there. Because that's how it's going to be a story. It's going to be. It's it'll gonna, be. It's yeah. going to be an adventure. <laughs> it'll be a good story when we get back because nice. it's already it's already a story. That's good. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Let's talk about the gear a little bit because you know we did talk about the kind of displayed yeah. out gear and I'm sure the same things happen at your house, Matt. For sure. You know, I know how it is when you're going on a big trip, or or you know for this case, you know if I'm going on a backpacking trip, we do that a lot. Um, you know, same same sort of thing. But you guys are dealing with all kinds of different situations and all kinds of different gear. Um, 
how does that work then? Say you go out because you're talking about a month. Let's let's say let's say you're both talking about a month. Um, are you guys taking time to go into town, kind of wash stuff up a little bit? Because when stuff gets wet and cold and dirty, yeah. you know, I mean, is that a, is that a thing in the in the hunting you know camp thing? Uh, not in our hunting camp so much. <laughs> uh, and it is really hard to pack thirty pairs of warm quality socks. It's hard to own that many. Yeah, it it can be tough and it gets rough. Mm-hmm. without a doubt we talked about maybe hitting a laundromat last year but i don't think we ever did <laughs> yeah it's uh another problem is people at home if you could imagine uh between rudy and myself and matt we got about a thousand pounds sitting on this couch right now <laughs> so when we pack you pack like two pairs of pants and a pair of underwear and it fills you know a, a, a giant duffel bag and then you got to figure out crap. I need clothes for the rest of the month. And so when you you can't bring too much, you know, you got a limited space. So he he shoots an elk. I shoot a deer. You know, maybe it's a brutal pack out. You get all sweaty. You're covered in blood. Well, you don't want to be rolling around, you know, in these disgusting clothes. So then you go to pants number two, or say you got three pair of pants, or four, you know, and these are you know these we're talking pants that are you know two hundred bucks a pop too. You know, jackets that are three and four hundred bucks a pop. So when you get, you know, it's not like we're buying multiples of some things, you know. So you get it dirty and you're just like, well, do you make the, I mean, shit, how far do you think it is into town? It's an hour. It's an hour and a half drive. At least. On dirt. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. And I don't know if they have a laundromat in that town. It's John. It's a real John. Well, the, the, the crummy motel has a. (laughs) If you're, I'm not gonna tell say the name of the motel because yeah. I don't want them to get their feelings there. But the well, uh, you don't want to give away your your area either yeah. necessarily. But the first the first time I took Matt there because you can take a shower there, right? So they have one. It's a it's a it's a motel, and they have leave one room open for hunters so you can take a shower. And the first time, <laughs> the first time I took Matt in there, he was incredibly impressed. Yeah, I uh, I was literally worried about cutting my feet. Wow. <laughs> There was tile. Okay, so it was a fiberglass shower enclosure. The bathroom floor was tile. It was so broken up that there was pieces of broken tile in the shower enclosure. And I didn't exactly bring, you know, shower slippers or anything for this event. And you own shower slippers? <laughs> no, actually, I don't. But side I, note. I, mean, I you know, <laughs> side note, don't own shower slippers. Um, it was a rough. It was a rough room, right? Like. Obviously, hunters have been coming in there. The garbage can was full. Um, it was disgusting. I mean, they were—they don't clean it between uses. Mm. You know, let's just show up and shower. And what was it like? Five bucks for us both to take a shower for two, or something? For two showers. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a good deal, actually. Yeah. No, it was a good deal. You know, I—I I honestly don't think they clean it more than once a month. And the drywall was like moldy and falling down from the ceiling. But the, you know, yeah. when you've been when you've been hauling critters out and you're covered in blood that's a week old and you stink mm. it's like is water hot yeah yep. <laughs> does it get burning hot when the neighbor flushes the toilet yeah do you care not really no yeah we're still we'll still we'll, we'll, we'll take it certainly better than no shower yeah and there's been several uh stints of nine days with no shower of you know just hiking and packing stuff out for days and uh no you're happy to get it you're just like it'd be nice if i wasn't literally in 
you know, fear for my life as I showered in here. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't want the shower cur- curtain to touch you. <laughs> Matt, I'm sure Chris will let you borrow his shower slippers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have shower slippers, Chris? Uh, I'm going to order some. Oh, okay. That'd probably be something to put yeah, on I'm the list. I'm going to order some, yeah. Actually, uh, side note, I'll send you a link to these shoes I bought. Really? Yeah. For sure, uh, I can't I can't reference them right now because I I can't even remember. But I bought them on Amazon. Okay. The water shoes, they're really? awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, real cheap. So yeah, so so and the only reason I asked about washing the clothes is because I know how it is. I mean, you go hiking. I actually when I like I'll go on a three four day backpacking trip and I don't even bring extra clothes. You know, just, you know what I'm wearing is what I'm wearing, and so the stink and stuff I understand that. Oh, but, yeah. but when you're hunting in, like you said, 20 degree below uh, weather, and and if there's blood and that kind of thing, you know that, that adds a whole other element to it. Yeah, it's a uh, we're pretty good about layering, you know, because the problem is it gets so cold that uh, I mean dangerous cold. You know, it's like 20 below, and then the wind blows and you blink your eyes and your eyelids freeze shut. You know, it's cold, man. So we have multiple, multiple layers. You know, you got your merino base layer, and then we got all kinds of, you know, mid layers, and then, you know, a coat, sometimes a really heavy coat. And, uh, but when you get in it, um, last year, year before, Matt and I shot elk at the same time. And, uh, I remember going back or when we, you know, because we have a trailer. We're not, I'm not, I'm not tenting it. It's, <laughs> it's, not only is it grizzly bear country, but it's just cold. It's just miserable cold. There's not so. a lot of firewood either. <clears throat> no, no. So he gets back and he's got uh, his long johns on, and he takes his. Went, uh, I think he had the Cabela's, the Berber pants. Yeah, the Outfitter Berber pants. Yeah, which are awesome, by the way, uh, with the wind shear. And he takes those off, and it's in his in his long johns, like he had these. He looked like he had like red knee pads on because he was just you know when you're on your knees. Uh, gutting critters and cutting them up and doing stuff like that you know and he, so the blood had soaked through his pants and through his long johns and it was just a it was i believe my uh bottom may have been a little covered also uh, it was it was <laughs> it was and, a, that, and that happens a lot when you're packing stuff out and it's dripping yeah did you need pack? somebody to point that out to you or did you know that <laughs> oh chris was there to take pictures of it yeah right as i was changing <laughs> right I, I did and honestly we were both so happy i mean we both just shot elk I think it was probably about five o'clock in the evening. We'd shot them at nine o'clock in the morning. And so we'd spent that time packing them out and you're exhausted, but you're just happy as can be. And, you know, and all you can do is laugh. You're sitting there strip, stripping your clothes and, you know, kind of the work is finally done. And, you know, what do you do but laugh, make fun of each other at that point? I mean, it's a great, it's just celebration time and have a whiskey and have a whiskey. Oh, whiskey is very important. Good whiskey. Well, you, Matt, when you're talking about both of you shooting elk, uh, what's the scenario there? So, are you are you guys kind of because you both have tags, and you're both kind of looking at the same elk? Um, how does that go in the field? Like, you guys are obviously talking to each other. You know what? There was almost no talking on that one. It was the end of the season. We were hiking. We had seen another herd up high on the mountain. We were kind of going after. And we were, I know I was at the point where I was like, we're never going to catch this, this group of elk. And then from the left, from down below us, I think it was like eight elk came running up. Mm-hmm. We didn't say a word to each other. We both just started dropping our packs, getting our guns ready, and uh, calling out ranges for each other. And uh, that's actually kind of nice. 
to be able to do that. And you're, you're spot, you know, you can spot for each other's shots. Um, that's kind of nice not to go, oh, you could, you know, do this one, you do that one. I don't really remember us saying a whole lot other than no. spotting shots. And kind of like in the side-by-side thing, when, when I'm driving, I am generally not the shooter. So, and I generally just lay that out with whoever's riding with me. Now, it might be different if the guy's riding with me with a broken ankle and has crutches. Right. <laughs> but generally, I say, if we spot animals, I will stop as quick as I can. And I'm going to give you the range of the shooter. You know, whatever animal looks the best. Or I'll point out the furthest one or the closest one or whatnot. And I just set that up ahead of time. Because sometimes you just don't have a lot of time to start talking about it. Yeah. I was just kind of curious because, you know... me not having ever hunted before, maybe some of the listeners, you know, you uh, you have like, you have this group of elk. You say seven, eight elk. If one of you shoots, and then are you shooting right away on the second shot? You know, depends on if the animals have stopped. If it, if you have a shot, right? I mean, there's a lot. There's factors that kind of go into that decision. You just don't randomly start popping shots off at, at whatever. But uh, I think I shot first, and you were. Yeah, you were giving you were. me the range, and then, and then, uh, you know, vice versa. We ended up moving a little bit. I think it just depends on who you're hunting with. You definitely get into those situations where you're discussing everything you're wondering about. Like you're like, "Hey, this one's the best one. This is that." But when they're if they're moving, um, and there's just so many different things that can play into the fact that if you have a chance to discuss it or not with with the person. You know, I mean, how big of a hurry? Chris is really good. When you f- w- has been with me since I started hunting with him. Um, I shot my first deer with Chris, um, and it was like when we when we saw a deer, it was like Matt, get your gun. You're shooting a deer, you know. And then then I think the real key to that was the fact that I would have to buy dinner that night. <laughs> that was a good dinner too. <laughs> where were you guys? Where were you guys at? We were in Montana, and uh, we, should we name the restaurant? Yeah, we can give them a shout out. The Pete Restaurant. The Pete, yeah, in uh, Lima, Montana, where you cook your own steaks. Shout out to the Pete. It is. It was. It was very. And so that was the first time I'd been to the restaurant. You okay. Know, and, and I didn't know the whole rule, like, oh, you shoot something, you're buying dinner. And I was happy to. We made that up on the spot, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> just, that just was a new him. rule yeah. after I pulled the trigger that yeah. day. Yeah. He oh, did, that's cool. He did shoot this deer down in a hole, but it was a good. It was a. It was a great hunt. I still remember it, and it was. It was a good time. It was a great stock. They had no idea we were there. Uh, it was a really, you know, uh, it was it was a steep shot. So angular wise, it makes a big difference, especially on longer shots, you know. And well, it also we talked about in a prior episode too. It depends on it, it changes how you how you're standing, how you're how you you right because right yeah you, you'd mentioned you like prone and, and right. maybe you're not going to do that if it's a straight down. It was uh, Matt's a good shot too, and he's I mean. Even, you know, he's shot, I mean, shot way more pistol and shotgun than I have. But even, like, little things like, hey, you know, if he's very coachable. So if I say, hey, just do this, and here we go, and then we're going to do this and do that. He's like, yep, and he got right on it, perfect shot, laid the deer over. Deer had no, it was in his bed, had no idea we were there. Again, everything went perfect, shoots the deer, we go down. We had uh, we had one other guy with us. Yeah, Brent was with us. Yeah. And so it was nice, get down there, you know, high fives, get the thing cut up, and uh, guys to pack it out. And it was, man, it was steep. It was really, <laughs> it was it was steep. But it was, uh, 
It was a great hunt. It was a lot of fun. And dinner was good, too. Yeah. Thanks, so, man. It just depends on the situation as far as the amount of talking and and discussion of what's going to go on on that on you know when you when you get when you happen upon the animals right or or they happen upon you yeah for sure but i think that goes back to like a lot of times uh depending on where where we're at what we're hunting and who i'm with you know a lot because like some of my other buddies like uh travis uh guy i've hunted with for a long long time and and it's like uh if you spot it you stalk it type of deal right you know so it's always a race like you know we sit down and he's really really good with his glasses and yeah. i'm pretty good with my glasses. <laughs> so we'll sit there go, deer 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 you know and we, it, they're all does all right uh and so you're looking for a buck oh there's a buck you know and oh he's looking then i'm looking and oh he's at a three point you know oh there's a deer over there and uh and so Usually when you, like, whoever spotted the deer, you know, we would shoot it. But both him and I have, I mean, we've, I don't know how many dozens of deer. I mean, we've, yeah. ki- I mean, holy crap. You know, we're sitting here looking at the deer wall. And, I mean, Travis and I have killed three, four, five times as many deer as that's on that wall uh, together. And with guys and taking some of the older guys. And so when I go out with guys like with Matt or our other buddy Brent or even Ed, like, it's not as important to me to pull the trigger uh, as it is. I mean, seeing like he doesn't get quite as excited as our buddy Brent, but he <laughs> yeah. still he still got pretty jacked up, and that's a uh, I'm jacked up after the shot. Yeah, it was it's a it's a good time. So I'm I'm really looking forward. My, like I said, our other buddy uh, Ed is going and um, kind of starting to really get into hunting too. So now, uh, how long has he been hunting for? You know, I he hasn't really. He's shot some stuff, you know, hearing the birds and things like that. But um, as far as like big game hunting goes, he's uh, he's kind of a workaholic. He, same thing, self-employed, runs his own business, has a big fabrication shop, so he doesn't really have the time. But now that he's getting into it, um, he went last year, and uh, unfortunately, we didn't have a ton of success last year. But I'm hoping that this year, get him into some elk, and you know, get him get him a nice buck. Hopefully, get him a bull get mad a bowl and uh it'd be it'd be it's exciting man it's really exciting especially when you get somebody there first you know and uh i don't know i don't i don't how do you, you love that? seeing people shoot stuff too. oh yeah chris gets almost as much enjoyment <laughs> out of somebody else shooting something that you know any amount that he's helped with or just even if he isn't helping just just is is present or whatever i mean usually i have terrible i've got I'm a little colorblind. I got some other stuff going on. I'm terrible at spotting animals. I mean, if it's there's snow on the ground or contrast, that's one thing. So uh, I really appreciate people that have eyes like Chris that can spot stuff. I have a couple of buddies. Another buddy of mine, Rick, has incredible eyes. And uh, some of that's, I think, time in the woods too. Um, you know, time hunting. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Chris is like, you see anything over there on that hillside? And I'm like, nope. Nope. And he's just like, what about that deer standing right in the middle of it? <laughs> you know, and I'm looking and it still took me a few seconds, you know, yeah, and, and it wasn't that big of a hill. Yeah. I mean, I should have. So, it, you know, hunting with guys that have great eyesight like that is is really fun. Nice. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask is we did talk about the museum here. Um, how do you relate to that? Do you are you in that same boat? Is Chris kind of I have twice? You? I have at least twice the amount of animals on my list. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean not as far as a museum, but you know, I mean, are you are you doing the same thing? 
as far as you know capturing your own part of that and, and putting these animals on the wall as well i don't have a ton of animals i'm i'm waiting i did go to africa and so i'm waiting for a bunch of those to come back from the taxidermist um yes and no i have i have some just european mount skulls and stuff too um i i i, I have no problem with it all um i i think it's great i think it's i mean i have a i have a bear on my wall i have uh some elk skulls and they're all they're all memories mm -hmm. they're all good stories um and I, and and that's a big part of it to me so you know i think it's i think it's fun and i like to come over here and go oh, which one did you shoot did you shoot that one was i with you on that one and it's it's just reminiscing about it all i mean i want the meat there's no doubt about it and i'm i'm itching to go right now bad because mm -hmm. i want some food <laughs> well it's not too far away well we we talked about you know, you mentioned right there European mount. What, what now is that the one where it's like the skull and the and the yeah and bleached the, out skull? Okay, I saw one of those recently, a uh, friend of mine, and, and I thought oh, that's kind of cool looking. You know, I also like this, so I I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, whatever you want to do. Um, like my girl doesn't like the glass eyes looking at her, mm. right? So she's more partial to having just the skulls. Uh, but. Some of these animals are just beautiful, and I feel like if you don't have them mounted, you're kind of missing out on it, especially the stuff from Africa. I mean, yeah. until you've seen some of that stuff and, you know, and seen it at least mounted, but, you know, seen it in person, they just have prettier animals than we do, I think. I mean, half of them look like they have painted stripes on them. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I'm the pusher man for sure, though, when it yeah. comes to, yeah, when it, <laughs> if taxidermy was a drug, uh, I'm I'm pushing it. I think you know a lot of people that come down here go, oh geez, you know like this is a lot of stuff, you know like, and it, we always joke, yeah, well, you know, welcome. This is a lovely room of death, you know, but it's uh, there's something new every time. We come <laughs> over. Last <laughs> night I came over and I'm like, oh, there's the antelope we got last year. Yeah, literally right, like right there. So I just got that back and uh, this is the one that's on the on the wood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a great hunt. It was a, uh, it was a great hunt, you know? And that, so that's, that's the thing. Like for me is, um, I mean, we've gone over this before, but you know, I can come down here and now me and Matt are going to talk about this and tell the story. Yeah, and it's we can sit here and tell yeah, the whole yeah, antelope yeah. story. Were you now. there, Matt, for that? Yeah, that was last year. And uh, Chris was lucky enough to draw a tag. I think you can, only 50 people, a maximum of 50 people from out of state can draw an antelope tag for that, for that area. Or is it the state? Oh, it's for that area, yeah. For that area. So there's 500 totally <clears throat> total. Only 50 of them can be out of state. But if they draw 500 in-state first, everybody out of state's uh, out of luck. Okay. So Chris got one. I don't think either one of us had hunted antelope before. Mm -mm, no first time. Wow. And uh, we had a limited amount of days when we got there to do it. And uh, the first, what, did you shoot on day three or day four? Anyways, it was, it was however many days of just – we were on them every day. It was awesome. Oh wow! And spotting and stalking and driving over the next hill. And when you first get there, we're at you know whatever fifty five hundred feet, and then, you know you're parking on one side of the hill and hiking up the rest of it, and you're going, oh, I just walked ten yards and I am gassed because <laughs> you're mm -hmm. you know you're trying to adapt to the elevation change and everything when you get there. But one of those suckers are 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 fast and it's hard to get in close on them. We're hunting kind of rolling hills not a lot of trees but you know it was a whole new experience for us and we were getting to do it together and having a blast doing it yeah well now that he told your story is that cool to do to tell somebody else a story like that 
Yeah, yeah <laughs> sure. Tell the story yeah, about I when know, he pulled I the trigger. I, I would, I would have yeah. thrown in, you know, since we're in the museum, I'd be like, yeah, it's the fastest uh, land animal in North America, mm. and uh, you know, it's the only, it's the only horned animal that sheds its horns. So typically, like an antlered animal is something that loses uh, its horns every year. Okay. And uh, so it has typically a hard horned animal. It's just a hard, and mm. that's it. That's why they're called horns, right? But they're the only one that sheds their I don't know. Uh, I should know what it's called. Their husk or their shell. They sh- um, shed it every year, which is crazy. So it's a really, it's a really interesting animal. Crazy looking, you know. Like when you look at it, you see how far its eyeballs are. Yeah. You know, apart. apart. Yeah, it's on each side of its head, and it's got incredible. I think it's got twenty times the vision a human does. Uh, wow. Yeah, which is nuts. I can see forever. Holy crap, they're fast. So. Uh, and they get spooked easy. Oh, real easy. Yeah. So how far out were you on that, man? See, this is the part of this. This is the real story. I didn't tell this part. Yeah. Uh, we, I'm trying to remember now. We saw him a long ways off, and then we had come up. We we're in side by side, coming up over a hill. And, uh, this is the older, crappier side by side, right? Yeah, that's mine. That's <laughs> my old gold. It is. It's a 2018. Kidding, it's a piece of junk. <laughs> it doesn't have a hard cab. It does have a heater. Does not have roll up windows. Uh, did you just have air conditioning? Not. No. Oh, okay. They just came out with that. Okay. Just, just the, the next ma- one will. Just the Shiatsu massage seats and the. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, like Matt saying, man, they are just. They have incredible eyesight and they're spooky as all get out. So th- you really have to use the terrain and um, be real mindful of your stock because they were they were in a spot. It was like the wide open, but so I kind of had to backtrack, go back around a knob, you know, crawl up a draw. Uh, I had to go through a fence, you know, so because we're in. Uh, BLM and state ground over there, but uh, that could be leased. Um, to for cattle right yeah yeah so they're grazing so there's fences and stuff even though it's state ground or whatever and so you got to climb through all this crap and um got up on them and and uh of course they spook off and then i get to put the winds howl and it's a it was a whole it was a whole to do and then uh matt you know he hung back and uh you know you know then i shoot this thing and it runs down into a hole and then i'm just like hey man uh Need your help? Yeah, I mean they're not that big, you know. But still, I'm like, hey, I need your help, you know. So he uh, he hiked all the way down to the bottom of this thing with me and cut it up, and we packed it out in one go, and uh, it was it was really really cool. And like I said, that's the first that's the first I don't have an uh, I don't have a speed ghost, my first one. And that was uh, first with the twenty eight nozzle. Yeah, yeah, first critter I killed with my twenty eight nozzle too. Nice. Now thinking about that, where it's at in your museum here is that the final resting spot for it no it was uh my my taxidermist uh had a an idea and i had an idea and it didn't we didn't really come to the meeting of the minds on that one so uh it's just on a fired it's on a it's it's on a temp base there and i don't know where it's gonna go i just wanted to get it down here because you know we had the party last night and i want to sit here and drink whiskey and stare at it and tell stories so um yeah i don't know where it's gonna go all you're missing is the whiskey now i know i'm a little hungover (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> now, now there's another question. So, um, for either one of you guys, you know, obviously the first when you're hunting, you're thinking about you know getting that successful hunt. Um, then how quickly in your mind, or or is it even before you leave, you think, oh, where is this one going to go? Or you know, 
how, what type of mount am I going to do or what, you know, scenario. You know, Chris has some scenarios here. Matt was talking about some different styles of mount. Well, when I shoot my bowl this year, it's yeah. getting mounted on the wall. Yeah. I, I, I really want to get a, a big bull elk. So that'll be a that'll be a, a nice wall mount, shoulder mount. Uh, I don't really plan stuff out so much that way. I, I, mean, I got it planned out for him. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I shot a bear, and it was August 1st, so it's a terrible time. This year? No, this was oh, gotcha. yeah, several yeah. years ago. And uh, I actually shot a bear before I shot an elk or a deer, which is kind of not the norm. Normally you start with deer, then maybe go to elk. But uh, spent all this time with my buddy directing me uh, <laughs> on to how to cut it for a rug. So we cut it for a rug. You know, I'm like, because literally after I, sh I hadn't even considered it. And uh, it's, it's a great painful story. I mean, it's long. <laughs> but... Uh, it was 90 degrees and we were suffering getting this thing out. Mm. But we, when we got down to it, he's like, well, what do you want to do with it? I go, what do you mean? I'm going to eat it. He goes, no, no. I mean, do you want to put it on the wall? Do you want to do a full body mount? And I'm like, oh, I don't even, you know. So we decided to cut it into a rug. Well, in August, they do not have very thick hair. So when it got to the taxidermist, he's like, you do not want this thing to be a rug. So I had it. Uh, wall mounted which is a whole nother story it's terrible it's, it's terrible taxidermy <laughs> but um so that's my story about preparation i yeah. just don't i don't put a lot of thought into it <laughs> until i'm there and doing it uh, so so then the question would be if you shot another uh you know bear on august 1st then what would you do i uh i definitely keep i'd probably bleach the skull out and if it was a really nice big bear i'd probably do some kind of a wall mount but the, the, the fur just isn't there, you know, to, yeah. to have a real nice, thick coat as so, far as having it So, mounted. Chris, your bears here, uh, were those, like, winter bears or fall, I mean, or whatever? No, well, uh, that that one with the beehive, that was the very first bear I ever shot. Yeah, we're looking around at, like, eight different yeah. full-mounted <laughs> stuffed bears in the room just for everyone yeah. out there. Uh, that was – it was over 100 degrees that day, so it was uh, – I think I want to say that was the opener. So uh, prior to this year, Washington State had a, uh, an east-west opening date. So August 1st on the west side, August 15th on the east side. Oh, okay. So hotter, hotter than hot. Uh, and it was 100 and – I want to say it was 109. might have been 104. I don't know. It was, it was burning. It was doesn't most, matter over 100. It was, yeah, it was the most <laughs> brutal pack. I can still remember my feet. I was – I was rocking a pair of uh, redhead boots back then. Holy hell, it was terrible. My, I thought my feet were literally going to catch on fire. Um, but it was a. Uh, it's one of those deals to where the guy who did that has a had a little bit of thin hair. You know, he didn't have a big fluffy winter coat, and they can do like some some airbrushing and some uh, oh, okay. and stuff like that. Uh, that that bear was shot in October. Uh, that bear is a, was a Southeast Alaska bear that was shot in, when was that? June? So, Chris, do they have the thinning up there in on the Alaskan bears like they, we do down here? Yeah. Like during the summer months? You know, I hear a lot of guys talk about, um, uh, you know, you want to get, uh, cause they have a, they have a spring season, then they have a, uh, a fall season. And so, yeah, you want to make sure to get a bear, um, like, fresh 
out of the den in the spring, right? Before they can rub anything off because they've been sleeping in there. That's when oh, they're so is it kind of matted and that's no, that's when their coat's the best because oh, it's just okay. been they've been just been sleeping and it's been growing, right? Um, and then when you get them, you know, when you get them, uh, like early early fall, they can be rubbed out pretty bad. Um, and even late spring, that you know, they could be rubbed up pretty bad. So, so it's it's similar to here. Yeah, you know, I, I would say it's. Uh, I haven't I haven't really seen bad rubs, but I mean they do they do thin out quite a bit. So it just depends on the on the winter here. You know, we have pretty mild uh, weather too. You know, so I think it can be a little more a little more staunch for the farther north you go. But um, I've never I mean I haven't shot that many bears either. You know, it's not like I shot a hundred bears. You know, maybe shot a dozen bears or so. So it's not it's uh I've never shot one that's been rubbed out real bad. And, and I'm the kind of guy who, uh, if even if it did, I'd be taking a tax and be like, "Hey, man, I'm getting a life size. Figure it out." So the one, that's so I got a life size bear out in the in the gun shop, standing on the safe, you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I, he had a patch of hair. I wanted him standing up, like ah, you know, like paws out. And he goes by the growing area. There was a spot where the hair slipped, and he's like, "Yeah, you should probably just make a rug out of it or something." And I was like, "I don't give a shit, dude. Fix it." Like. You know, no, I want a life-size bear. I want to do exactly this. I go just, you know, get some, like, just for men or something, throw it on. I don't know. You know, like, figure it out. And he did, and it looks great. You a little Austin Powers chest there going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, just throw an extra patch in there. It'll be fine. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, the right taxidermist can, can fix some things, but the wrong taxidermist. I saw his bear, and... Uh, my bear is famous because of how bad it looks. It's terrible. I'm not yeah. going to lie. It's ri- I mean, I've had some bad tax on me. It's really bad. And everybody who sees... So, first of all, when I picked it up, I didn't tell everybody <laughs> how bad it was because I wanted to see how many of my friends would just be so nice as to <laughs> lie and tell me, oh, yeah, it looks really nice, it's and it's terrible. I literally think it is on a, uh, on a wolf mount because it looks like a dog. It looks like a Doberman. It does look like a Doberman. Yeah interesting yeah that's all right so it's kind of been fun though too because i I don't i don't have it in the house it's out in my shop and and uh people come and see it and they try to act like it's okay and then i start laughing and then i show them a picture of what the animal actually looked like when i shot it and they're like that's really bad tech i'm like yeah it is but what do you do with it yeah Yeah. you got money into it you just love i still have a memory it's turned into a joke instead of something of beauty but it's still something i'm not gonna throw it away I still love it because I get to see it, and I do think it's hilarious. Yeah, that's, so I think it is too, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> right, so it's not an ideal situation, yeah. but it's still, you know, a, it's still just a different type of story. And what about uh, the fact that you shot a bear before you shot anything else? Was that planned? Not necessarily. I want to do it this way, this way, and that way. But when you went out, were you you were going after bear, and that was your that was what? Yeah, it was a bear hunt. Um, it was kind of a last minute hunt. I had been out, I had hunted deer, I don't know how many years before I shot one, eight years. And we would do a week every year and nobody would get anything. <laughs> and we still had good trips, but it was it was pretty frustrating. Uh, I think I had only elk hunted maybe two years before I shot the bear. Um, I think I got an elk my third year hunting elk. But anyways, it was, it was a last minute hunt. Uh, my buddy... Uh, just you know his son canceled on him he's like do you want to go i was like let's get out of town he's like i'm going to give you coordinates here it is show up and i'm driving around at 10 o'clock at night 
never been in the area before. You know, cell phone doesn't work, so you're not really running a mapping system. And I and I find him, and he's like, "All right, go to sleep. We're getting up at four. And uh, woke up at four a.m. and started hiking. By six a.m., my feet were bleeding. You know, it was just straight up the whole way. I was not prepared for it. I had a tiny little North Face. We call it like a twelve-year-old schoolgirl's backpack. It was tiny. <laughs> I honestly didn't think there was a chance of, of me shooting a bear this day. Um, at like 7.15, I had caught up to my buddy. had been there maybe five minutes, took off my backpack, drank some water, and we I was pointing at the bear as he was saying bear. You know, shot it seconds later, and then we kind of mellowed out for a bit, you know, uh, and then started hike, sliding down the mountain it was off the, the side of the mountain sliding down the mountain to go get this bear took us a while to find it and uh then we had to completely cut it up bone it out pack it up we got back to the spot i shot it from and literally we're crawling on our hands and knees up the hill at at, at times uh and at like three o'clock in the afternoon by the time we got down to the truck all my toes were blistered and bleeding so it was a bad shoe day plus mm. it was 90. So it was literally kind of the worst day, best day ever. And then to top it off with the taxidermy. Yeah, then it, well, and, and it took me two years to get the bear back from the taxidermies, yeah. Oh, man. So uh, when you were mentioning that about your shoes and that kind of thing, your boots, uh, was that was that a poor decision because you were, you were kind of thinking this was the last minute? Or was that how you were hunting before where you didn't need, necessarily need that and this was kind of a learning experience? Well, most of the other hunting I was had been doing at that point had been in October and November, so you're wearing insulated boots, so kind of different footwear chosen because it was August and hot. Um, it was just a brutal trail. I'm, I'm not a big backpacker. Like, I have a lot of buddies that are in the military and stuff, and I'm always trying to learn tricks with shoes and socks and everything else, but I, I have picky feet too. I would just say it was bad shoe selection um, and a brutal trail. You'd probably have more wisdom to give me on that than I can well, tell you why it know. happened. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but, you know, maybe it went back to that whole thing where we started the conversation, the fact that you don't like cardio. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do cardio. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do cardio. I just don't, and I don't do it year-round. This time of year, I'm doing a bunch of cardio. Trying to get ready. Right on. Well, thanks for chatting, guys. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the show. Please rate us on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at I Will Hunt Podcast. Same on Facebook and Twitter. Check out the website at IWillHunt.com. And you can always send us ideas or feedback. I Will Hunt Podcast at gmail.com. This episode featured Chris Cantrell. Follow him on Instagram at Cantrell Outdoors. Thanks to Jack Mattingly and the Whiskey Fever for creating the theme song for the show. Check them out at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Tell me who you see there waiting in the grass. Silent like a graveyard lakes a sheet of glass. And I will hunt. Till I find what I'm looking for And I will hunt From the heartland to the shore And I may not find nothing And my rifle turns to rust
I will hunt.